The reading this evening is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. If you'd like to follow this in the Church Bibles, it's on page 1174. Ephesians 3, 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Mandy. Good evening, everyone. Good to see you all. Are you well? You can answer. (laughs) It's okay. Um, Shall we pray together? Shall we pray? Father God, we just thank you so much uh, for your word to us. Thank you um, for the way it reveals who you are and all that you've done for us. Um, Would you, by your spirit, help us to see it and understand it, that it may go deep into our hearts, we pray. Amen. Um, So, yeah, please keep your Bibles open at Ephesians um, chapter 3. I can't remember what page it was on. Somebody will shout it out. I don't. One one seven four. Thank you, Anders. Thank you. Um, as I was looking back, um, I I usually look back at my what I've preached on before, and I realised I'd never preached on fe- the first half of Ephesians three. I preached all the way through Ephesians at various points, but never preached on the first half of chapter three. And I wondered whether why that that was, and I consider that to be because of the dash. Um, because of the dash in, the, in, in um, verse 1. Did you notice it? Um, 
Mandy read it beautifully for us to try and help us see it because we sometimes just kind of miss it as we first look at it. Look at verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, dash. Not the word dash. There's a, anyway, you get what I mean. Dash. Smack in the middle of a sentence. Um, Paul seems to break out into a, a, a detour. Uh, and this is very important. And uh, as I was thinking about it, it used to remind me of the letters I got from my mother, um, particularly when I was at university. And when I was at, in America at university, she used to write to me and she'd be rattling on about something or other. And then suddenly she would do a massive detour and ask me, are you eating okay? Have you done your washing regularly? And things like that. She was looking after me. Um, great blessing, but she would do these great detours in the middle of a letter uh, and then come back to what she was talking about. And then I was talking about this and et cetera, et cetera. Did you write letters like that? Maybe you don't. Maybe we don't write letters anymore, so you don't get that kind of thing. But that's what's going on here. Paul's doing exactly the same thing. Paul starts to say something in verse 1, breaks off, and he doesn't come back to it but he, until verse 14. And we didn't have verse 14 read. But if you look at it, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. Almost the same words as verse 1. Uh, and what you notice is um, that the verses at 1 to 13, they're not particularly um, uh, well-structured, and yet they are enormously practical and enormously important for us as Christians and not to be overlooked. It's to my shame that I had never preached on this before. And I just want to pull out a few highlights for us uh, in that respect. And the first is that life is hard. Um, life is hard. Why do I say that? Well, you've got to ask yourself, first of all, why does Paul break off at this point? Um, and it's because he's in prison. I think that's what it, what's happening here. If, if you think about it, he, he starts off saying, um, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, I'm in prison. And maybe there's something here that I need to say before I carry on with what I was going to say. Um, think about that he probably was talking to um, young Christians, a young church, and so he breaks off to give a fuller explanation of this fact of why he's in prison. Uh, and he comes back to it, actually. I think this is why we can be pretty confident this is what he meant in verse 13. Because if you look at the end of that section, I ask you, therefore, in light of this detour, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings. What's he suffering? He's in prison, yeah? Um, for you, which are your glory. Um, so what, what's going on here? Paul is actually showing tremendous pastoral awareness. Um, he, he knows that they hear the word prisoner, and um, he knows they're going to hear that, and you would imagine they'd be naturally discouraged, wouldn't you? If you heard that, you'd probably be naturally discouraged. He recognises this and speaks carefully into it so that they are not discouraged. Um, because he recognised how that might sound. 
And he, might, he recognises that, you know, that sounds pretty hard, that life is hard and being a Christian isn't easy because you might finish up in prison, right? Uh, and the Bible, I think, is really realistic about being a follower of Jesus. It never sugarcoats it for any of us, does it? Um, life as a disciple it, it is often hard. And so Paul doesn't tell them to kind of ignore it or get over it or pull your socks up. Instead, he speaks carefully into it with this detour. Um, and you can imagine Paul's friends in Ephesus feeling confused about this, suffering. He says, if you're really a servant of God, you know, in the most high, you know, why are you suffering? Why are you in prison? Surely it should, you know, be this or, or, or that. Why is bad stuff happening to you? Um, and that's often the way sometimes we feel, isn't it? Um, you see, when we, if we think about it, whenever we see, say, a close friend suffering for whatever reason, um, you feel it too, don't you? You have empathy with them, and we can naturally feel helpless ourselves. We can naturally feel, feel discouraged by that fact. And so maybe that is us and tonight, um, and maybe you can relate to that. You know, life's hard. Being a follower of Jesus isn't easy. Um, and so Paul comes, gives this detour to help us, and says in verse 13, at the end of all that, I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged. Don't want you to be discouraged. Um, so don't get disheartened. If you're feeling like that, don't get down when you see Christians suffering um, Paul recognises that and he's given us some stuff here to deal with it. Yeah, that's what the detour is about. It's stuff to deal with the fact that life is hard. Why, what, what stuff does he give us to help us? And I summarise it as the gospel of grace. It's the gospel of God's grace to us, of his sheer kindness to us. That's what we need to hear when we hear that life's hard. Did you notice um, the other thing? Um, one of the things actually we do when, when we're thinking about preaching is we, and, and this is help us to train to read the Bible, is what words do you notice that are repeated? That's often a good, a good way to start reading the Bible if you've never done close reading of the Bible. And one of the words you see repeated here is mystery. It came four times, quite in... Succession, three, verse three, four, six, and nine, mystery is mentioned. When we hear that word mystery, when Paul talks about that, we tend to think of things that are hidden, that it's our job, yours and my job, to find the answer to the mystery. A bit like a Agatha Christie whodunit. You've got to try and work it out. I'm not going to tell you. You've got to, I've got to work it out. Or whatever your flavour of Agatha Christie's, death in paradise, or I don't know, Jack Ryan, or what's the other one? Holly Jackson, if you're younger. I don't know. That's as far as I could work out. Um, that's not really what Paul understands of mystery. Um, the word Paul uses here actually means the exact opposite. He's using it in, in an opposite way. He means something that actually is revealed by God. Something that actually is disclosed to you, made known. Not something hidden that you have to try and work out. God has revealed it to us. Um, 
And the reason is that because you would never, ever work it out for yourself. Uh, you need, by God's grace, for you to, to see it and understand it. He needs to show it to you. Um, you would never, ever work it out for yourself. Because it's so unnatural, it's so sort of countercultural. it can't come by reason alone. A mystery here is a revelation that's made known to us. And that is the gospel of God's grace. It's a gift. It's given to us. Um, and those are the, the two other words that crop up in this detour over and over again. If you just glance down it, do that. It, it's the word grace and the word gospel. Gospel means good news. Grace means God's kindness um, to us, his loving kindness to us. It's the gospel of grace. You, you, you probably see it most clearly there coming together in verse 7. I, Paul, became a servant of the gospel, the good news by the gift of God's grace given me. That is the mystery that's been revealed to us, that we need to hear when we're feeling hard-pressed in a hard time. Why we do need to do that? Because the danger is that we'll go the opposite way. We'll go back into law rather than God's grace, which is wonderful. We'll go, the tendency is for us to go back into law. Think about the Ten Commandments, instructions on how to live, and conduct, being a good we might call it, being good. Um, and that's not the gospel of, of grace. But the danger is that we, we, we turn, turn in onto that rather than grace. Um, and the reason is because that, that's more obvious direction for us to go, isn't it, law? It's more natural for us to go that way. Um, that's what everybody would say, wouldn't it? If you went out onto the streets of London... You go out there and ask. Everyone thinks that being good, following the rules, of ha- of, uh, is how you get life, how you get eternal life, how you're right with God, doing this, this A, B, and C, and D, and E. That's how people naturally think. And that's how I'm going to get sorted. That's how I'm going to get out of the hard time that I might be in, is to try and work my way out of it. And you can't work your way out of it. Because you need the gospel of grace, which has to be revealed to us by, by God. And that's so, so sort of countercultural, so, so um, different. It has to be revealed to us. We don't come to it naturally. It has to be given to us. And that's why it's so, so wonderful. It's revealed to us. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the thing that we need to keep rehearsing to ourselves when we're in hard times. Actually, we need to do it when we're in good times as well, but particularly when we're feeling in hard times. The gospel is that the Son of God came into the world and triumphed over weakness, didn't he? Uh, On the cross, he gained everything by giving it all away. He died in our place to take away sin and guilt. As a result, we're by faith we're saved, we're made alive, we're, we're followers of Jesus. We're simultaneously a sinner and right with God. We're dearly loved children of God. That's what we need to keep hearing, is that gospel of God's grace. And that's a profound mystery, and um, you do not get that to that place by trying to figure it out by yourself. 
It has to be revealed. And that's what Paul is saying here. I'm on this detour, so you, you know this, that it's revealed to you. It doesn't come in, uh, naturally or instinctively. So um, that's the second thing we need to notice. They hear prisoner, they're thinking hard times. Is this really right? They have to be, so he goes into talking about the gospel of grace. That's, a, that's the substance of what's going on here. But the third thing I just want to pull out briefly is just the, the multifaceted um, wisdom of God. That's a big word, is it? Multifaceted wisdom of God. Um, what was God's purpose with the gospel of grace that's being revealed? Look at verse 10. This is God's purpose here. Is his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now there's a lot here uh, again for us to think about. Um, the thing that we've just talked about, the thing we know is that life is hard. Think about why it's hard for a moment. Why is life often hard for us? Um, well, actually, if we think about it, it's because life falls apart, doesn't it? Things fall apart, um, naturally. Um, whether it's kind of on a macro level with nations and, and conflict and, and war or whether it's relationships at a more kind of uh, intimate level, or whether it's um, to do with disease, or whether it's to do with racism. There are, there are things that are hard, because actually what the Bible would say is that everything is subject to decay. Everything is falling apart. Um, and of course, things were not meant to be like that, were they? We read this at the beginning of the Bible. We know that God created a perfect world, a beautiful world, a wonderful world, where everything cohered, everything came together, didn't fall apart, everything was good. Harmony, relationships that were eternal. Of course, we know, as the Bible says, sin came into the world and things fell apart. But the promise of the Bible is that God is going to bring things back together. Through Christ, he's going to bring back that harmony and that coherence where there'll be no more suffering, no more tears, no more pain, no more death, no more injustice, no more war, no more hatred. That's kind of God's big purpose, isn't it? That he's reconciling all things, as it says elsewhere, to himself. The big purpose of the world. He talked about that in Ephesians chapter 1, didn't he? That was what he he wanted to do. That's what he is doing. And here's the question for us as church, because he's writing to a church. What's the clearest way the world is going to see that? What is the clearest way that the world around us will see that? It's through the church. We talked about the church in chapter 2. It was but it is through the church. Because if you notice, sometimes we can sort of mis-bypass it in verse 10. His intent was that now through the church, that's you and me if we're followers of Jesus, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. And it's an amazing stuff that God is, is making this stuff known through us, through you guys and me. And it says the manifold wisdom. 
And that's such a rubbish word, I think, manifold. It sounds like part from a car. Something is something to do with a car, isn't it? A manifold. I don't really know what it does, but that's a rubbish word, though, manifold. Um, there's got to be better words to convey the wisdom of God than the manifold. <laughs> um, maybe it would be better the womanfold. I don't know, that's that. let's not go there. <laughs> but I think what, it, what I'm trying to say is that there's something, the word isn't very clear here for us. It should be the multifaceted wisdom of God is made known through the church, through you and me, or um, something like the splendid the splendid wisdom of God is made through his church, or the multicoloured, faceted wisdom of God. I can't think of any other um, ways of expressing it. It's actually language of poetry. If you look into the detail of this, that word, it's language of poetry. Actually, I found out that it's referring to the intricately embroidered pattern of many colours, a bit like you know, the multicoloured nature of flowers that you see and, and all the different distinctions. It's richly diverse um, nature of divine wisdom. Better than manifold, isn't it? <laughs> you see what Paul, I think, is trying to say here? It's through the church, the community of faith, you and me, through healed relationships, reconciled in Christ, that the world can most readily see the incredible future that God is preparing for everyone. I think that's quite exciting, personally. Um, but so often we don't kind of see it like that, do we? We're kind of, you know, um, a motley crew of people <laughs> with our idiosyncrasies and strangeness. Um, there's a really good uh, scholar called F.F. Bruce. Don't need to remember his name, but... Uh, He put it like this, the church thus appears to be God's pilot scheme for the reconciling universe of the future. That's quite a good way of putting it. We're like a pilot scheme for the future that God is going to do. So the church is this foretaste of a time when all hostile elements in creation will be healed. Um, Yes, the world at this time is, is still falling apart, but the church, we are that foretaste, that pilot scheme of the future, the beautiful future, the multifaceted, um, multi-coloured um, wisdom of God being made known. Um, and then the last thing to, I want to point out, that all this is for our encouragement. This is meant to be. This detour isn't just sort of idle expectation it's meant to be for our encouragement. I hope you feel encouraged when you read this. It's, it's quite dense. Go away um, later this evening and read it again. It's for our encouragement. Um, Paul's not in a classroom testing them on their stuff of their gospel of grace. Can you, can you tick it off the list? It's not meant to be like that. This is, he's dealing with real stuff, with real people's lives that are messy going through some hard times, through suffering, and he's in prison. And he knows what life is like with people with real worries. And so they hear Paul is in prison, and he doesn't want them to be discouraged. And he doesn't want us to be discouraged either tonight. And that's why he ends in verse 12. In him, he says, Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, 
and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, because I'm in prison, which are actually for your glory. Paul's saying that my suffering is for your glory. That's a strange thing. It seems strange to us to to say that, doesn't it? Why does he say that? That my sufferings are for your glory. Well, I think it's something like this, isn't it? It's it's to do with Jesus, isn't it? Because Jesus suffered, and yet it's for our glory. Um, If you think about it, Jesus lived a perfect life, didn't he? And he lived in freedom and confidence. As it says here in verse... 12, he lived in freedom and confidence with his father, God the Father. But at the end of his life, what happened to him? It was the opposite, wasn't it? He was, he was shut out from God. And he was shut out of, of, uh, from God so you and I could have access to God. He was nailed on a, on a cruel cross, as we're going to remember in the communion, so we could go free. So we could boldly approach God the Father. He was cut off so we could approach God with freedom and confidence. That's the gospel of grace again, isn't it? And you see what Jesus did? He took away the one part of suffering that could really cut you and me off from God forever. And that's being cast into hell, isn't it? He took it away. And he was cast into hell for us so that we wouldn't. He took that, and he took that, so now all suffering that comes our way in our life, all those hard times, albeit how painful, however hard they might be, you know, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, Romans 8. Nothing. Nothing can separate us anymore. You see, in some ways, our suffering makes us more like Jesus, because that's what Jesus did, isn't it? And that's why Paul, I think, can say that his suffering is for your glory. Paul is okay with being in prison, isn't he? I'm sure it was difficult, but he's okay with it, because it was for somebody else's sake. He's becoming more like Jesus, isn't he? Because that's what Jesus did. He suffered, and he did it for the glory of others and I think if you if you know how how much the glory is to come in being with Jesus forever and ever then you can face anything can you as hard as it might be at the time you can face the future with confidence and freedom somehow in the new creation suffering will be healed and made up for For at that moment of eternal harmony, something precious will come to pass. So tonight, I don't know, you may feel discouraged, you may feel like you're going through some hard times, I don't know what they might be, for whatever reason. Maybe painful situations, maybe difficulties at work, maybe just having a rubbish time. Mental health, I don't know. Paul would encourage us not to be discouraged. He doesn't want us to be discouraged in our suffering. Um, He wants us to see the glory of what is to come. The glory of what is to come. Um, 
as I, as I close, there's, I mean, some of you might have heard of a guy called Tim Keller. I think you, a few of you, a few nods. Well, he died yesterday. Um, very sadly, he's, he's, a, he's a great scholar, and a, a, an inspiration to me as a minister, and he's had an impact on many people. He's American. He ministered in New York. And um, I was listening to another guy talking about Tim Keller, a guy called John Piper. And um, John Piper was recalling um, his last email exchange with Tim Keller just before he died. And uh, he was recalling the fact that Tim Keller was, was reveling in, um, in Luke 10, verse 20. And um, in, in Luke 10, verse 20, it says Jesus responds. He, you know, he sends out the 72. You remember that bit? He sends them out to minister and they go out and they return from their ministry and they're absolutely overjoyed because he, they say, even the demons are obeying us and, doing, and, and we're doing amazing things. And um, at the, in verse 20, they come back to Jesus and Jesus responds to them like this. He says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So often we're, we're rejoicing in things that, yeah, there might be good things like demons being submitted to you. And we're looking for things here to satisfy us. But the one thing that's going to satisfy us is the glory that is to come from knowing that our names are written in heaven. And Keller was obviously reveling in this. And whatever happens to us, whatever we're going through, good times or bad times, hard times or discouraged times, we could take comfort in that fact. You know, nothing can separate us. You know, I might be in prison, Paul says, but I know what's to come. Great glory is to come. Rejoice in the fact that your names are written in heaven. Let's pray, shall we? Um, God, our Father, um, we just come before you wanting to thank you and praise you for your word and we thank you for the way that it ministers to us. It reminds us of your gospel, your grace to us, your kindness. And no matter what, where we are and what we're going through, we, we can, we can realise that, that you don't want us to be discouraged. You've given us the, this, this administration of, of the mystery that's been revealed to us, the gospel of your grace. May we keep hearing it. May it by your spirit keep pounding our hearts and changing us and transforming us so that we can know that whatever we go through, glory is to come. Our, written, our names are written in heaven. Thank you and praise you. And as we celebrate communion shortly, may that um, thought, the gospel of your grace, change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.